Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, again, everyone's, everyone's pace of adoption probably will be different, but the other thing is not to rush in and potentially get overwhelmed. And, and what Matt spoke out there, buying a, a fantastic drone, having all this ambition, crashing it, you could easily end up um, being, being disenfranchised from ag tech. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it. This podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. Welcome back farmers to the Farms Advice podcast. For today's episode, we'll be jumping straight back into the Farmers to Founders series and we'll be talking about producers' perspective usefulness versus usability and how that plays out in the view from farmers and founders but also from the producer who we'll have on today's show. In this episode, we'll speak with Matt Anderson who manages the agri-tech projects for farmers to founders about the various adoption challenges that we're facing within the industry as well as Tom Hampton, a South Australian farmer and he'll talk about his perspective on ag-tech adoption and what may be slowing down process if you're a producer out there a farmer ask yourself the same questions that we asked tom on the podcast and also matt on the podcast today and see how it can sort of change the way that you think about ag tech and how it works within your farming enterprise let's get on with today's episode g'day and welcome to the farms Advice podcast tom and matt in the studio here we're with the farmers to founders on the Brilliant series talking about ag tech adoption and everything that farmers need to know around the topic. It's quite the buzzword ag tech, but also all the buzzwords coming along with, within it, especially data for farmers. So Tom, Matt, great to have you in the virtual studio, especially you, Tom, coming from the farmer's view of it. I like to have these sort of operations 
coming onto the podcast and actually showcasing for farmers what's going on out in the paddock. Great to be here, Jack. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Good to be with you this afternoon. So, Tom, just to kick it off for us, can you introduce yourself and a little bit about your operation so the listeners can get the gist of what's going on? Yeah. So, Tom Hampton, Adelaide Hills-based, run a, a small-scale cattle enterprise here. Um, cattle breeding, cattle uh, growing out, cattle finishing, selling uh, pasture-fed beef um, into the Adelaide Hills market. Yeah, beautiful. And I'd imagine over the years, things are changing quite quickly, and especially with the adoption of technology coming along. Um, you may be a bit of a front runner in that. How have you seen ag tech initially um, and that trends? Yeah. Um, from traditional to digital. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I should have added some more context there. A first time um, farmer, I've been uh, not born into a farming family. Um, so as a front runner, I'm probably a little bit more progressive than potentially others that have um, learnings from generations before them. Um, so yeah, I am keen to uh, to push the envelope when it comes to things on farm, including such things as ag tech. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as ag tech goes, do you just want to set the scene on some key challenges for adoption, like that you've had for yourself uh, within the different ag tech? elements yeah sure so um being a cattle enterprise i have technology principally in the area of um water infrastructure so i use uh solar powered pumps for pumping water for uh, for livestock consumption and then in monitoring of assets i got uh, tech monitoring my electric fencing for shorts um to give me early advice there and also um going to have um, we'll talk about some of the challenges going to have sensors for uh, for water tanks and the like so that um, I don't have to physically be out near them to know uh, that they're full of water and performing as I want them to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some very interesting sort of ag tech companies coming about and different uses for the same sort of farm, especially from where livestock producers as well. So we know what the sort of pain points are for farmers and water and infrastructure are those we run electric fences as well so the need for these sort of sensors um, to make farming viable but also profitable at the same time as well just talk to me a little bit about those challenges what did you have on farm initially and like coming from the new farm owner what got you into technology and why did you go down this way instead of the traditional route of sort of just progressing a little bit slower um, what got me on here? Uh, I'm a busy person and, and time spent um, chasing faults, time spent monitoring um, could be spent better elsewhere. And, uh, and knowing that technology can do that efficiently for me and report in via, uh, via mobile phones, via computers to where I am um, is appealing. It, it just frees up some of my time yep. for, um, for a lot of those checking tasks. Yep, the other thing it does do is uh, provide early advice when I do have issues. So instead of um, potentially having having a problem that ends up in being um, electric fences off because there's been a short or, or water being lost, I, I get the advice that I've got a problem earlier on from, from the monitoring that I have. Yeah, I think having it instantly is a little bit easier than going around checking it on the bike, what we would have done before in the car. Um, and especially nowadays, 
I don't know about you, but where we are, it's soaking wet and we can't get everywhere in a car or we don't want to go on the bike because it's just freezing. Um, and just freeing that time up, but also our resources as well. Those resources can be used elsewhere as well. Good points, Jack. The other thing it does do is when everything is operating okay, it gives you peace of mind. You, um, you can uh, switch off knowing that everything's working because you can have the confidence that you're going to get advice if there is a problem. So, yeah, another factor there. Yeah, if there's no notifications, you're going pretty well. But as farmers, we're looking to something always to fix and hopefully there's nothing too well in that ag tech can just sort of slide in there and help us do that. But for yourself as a sort of new farmer into agriculture, the level of support within farming communities within this adoption of agriculture, do you see that that support is there to better enhance farmers' adoption, but also that knowledge around the technology that we will be using? The answer to that is yes. Um, although as a front runner, it does feel lonely at times, but I think the answer is yes. There's, there's plenty of um, assistance available either, either online or through the suppliers if you need it to reach out and get that support. Um, I assume with time, the, you know, the farming communities will have more internal support as more and more uh, farmers you know, get on board and take on some of this technology. So you, you don't necessarily need to go to the... Uh, the supplier of the equipment for some advice or some support you might be able to go to your neighbor and go hey i see you've installed these before how did you go talk me through it and um and get some more support at a uh, like a community farming level yeah it's just about to ask that peer-to-peer or farmer to farmer now that you've sort of adopted ag-, ag tech as such on your farm have you had some sticky beak neighbors or some mates within farming that have come across and seen what it's doing and asked a question or held your private little field day how's that work or have you had any uptake i've had uh, i've had a few people interested in what i'm what i'm doing i've not had any um anyone come to my farm yet and see firsthand but certainly uh the work that Perza does here in south australia with their demonstration farms and also the work matt's doing is um is doing that on a, on a larger level so so from that work and uh from what i'm doing th- those days may come yeah, absolutely. And I suppose as farmers working with these ag tech companies, can that play in your advantage as being one of these early adopters, getting across that line first and actually maybe even shaping the path of that ag tech company for its functionality out in the paddock? Absolutely. And then the downside with that is as a front runner, you um, you uh, are working your way through some of the teething issues. And and I haven't mentioned it, but my, uh, my sensors that will be uh, operating on my tanks and the like are operating off of a LoRaWAN network. So I'm, I'm doing some um, quite innovative stuff there with, uh, with my own on-farm LoRaWAN network. Amazing. Well, to see how ag tech and adoption, I think we've come a long way, even just in the last 12 months. Um, the COVID probably spurred this on a little bit for farmers looking to be more connected, but also, I don't know, maybe initiating some more family time so they can reduce their time out in the paddock as well. Something a bit of a touch point for farmers as well. Um, yeah, agreed. But for yourself, how would you classify your approach to using technology on farm, being that progressive one? And why were you? Why did you take those first steps? Like diving a little bit in, probably into your mindset a bit more. So diving into my mindset, um, Jack farming is uh, is a, a secondary income for me. Primary is is engineering. So I have. Um, a mind that is already 
interested in technology and the application of it in the real world. Yeah. And, and some of the work I do off farm, um, principally in the rail sector, involves remote monitoring of assets and the like. So I had that initial um, inspiration coming from um, the work that I've done and seen in, in another sector. It's interesting, like for people coming outside of agriculture, then coming in on farm, um, how sort of progressive and interested they are in new ways of working, bringing ways of maybe you brought some stuff across from engineering that you've put into your own farm. I don't know how well it fits into cattle enterprise, but how have you seen that work out in favour for yourself? Oh, it's worked out in favour for myself for some of those earlier comments I made. P peace of mind when things are going well and uh, and advice. I've got problems when, uh, when I'm not necessarily um, out there finding them myself. Yeah, absolutely. Able to di quickly diagnose the problem as an engineer, but also keep those cogs turning. So from the farming perspective, as an innovator, what's driven you to look for implementing ag tech solutions on farm? What sort of problems did you have? Were you always out and about or your employees or family were out and about checking faults in the electric fence or you ran out of water? What spurred this on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with my electric fencing, it's all solar. So if I did have a short, not only would my um, my fence be compromised, but I'd also end up draining the uh, the batteries that it runs off of. Um, so yes, uh, sp spending more time away from that and getting to the faults quicker was was definitely the main driver. And what about looking at at the problem before, like prevention? rather than intervention before the problem, do you see that that has played a way on your farm? Yes. So you spoke about water monitoring before. Yes, you have, probably haven't run out of water. No, not yet. Um, but it's becoming a scarcer resource at times uh, in these modern um, climate environment. I know your part of the world is probably not thinking that at the moment, but yeah, we, um, we've had some dry years in my farming time and, uh, and you need to be prepared for those. So, so conserving water, um, particularly in those summer months, those dry years is uh, definitely important for resilience. Yeah, you do say that though, but I think now is a pretty prime time to start thinking about when we don't have water to get on top. Yeah. Maybe we've got improved cash flow as farmers um, as well, and we can take more on board currently rather than have a quick panic during mid drought you can't afford it and you also don't have the time for it because you're out feeding cattle or livestock or you're not growing crops or anything like that. Makes complete sense to me, Jack. Be proactive rather than reactive. And uh, yeah, if you're enjoying good times at the moment financially and water-wise, what, uh, what a time to think about the future when it's not quite as um, good as it is now. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a bit of a mindset attitude as well, proactive rather than reactive. Um, it takes a little bit to get on top of those jobs so that you can be proactive. But I think once you have that sort of overall look, and I think ag tech's just sort of allowing us that time to go back to the drawing board to see how it can all run a bit more efficiently as well. Absolutely. So let's dissect your projects that you've got running on farm. Um, the water monitoring, do you have that on currently? Close to having it on. Um one of the challenges has been with with innovation uh, is getting getting it up and running. So um, close to having it on, Jack. I was hoping that I might have been able to report in this week that it was was up and running, but we haven't quite got there yet. The electric fence, though, that's a different matter. That is uh, that's up and running and um, and providing me 
with the outcomes that I wanted being a healthy state indication when needed and then fault, fault advice when it's needed. Absolutely. And what sort of infrastructure investments have you needed to get this in, this ag tech? Uh, investment in, um, in devices, internet uh, was, was not a, an issue. We've already got that for um, personal and business reasons on farm. So it was really just the, uh, the infrastructure needed to connect um, devices into the internet to provide that, that uh, reporting. And uh, a few of them going to be working off subscription or is that um, you pay and sort of sub- set and forget sort of stuff? Yeah, I've, I've worked towards set and forget. Uh, when, when, my, when my LoRaWAN network comes on and I have various sensors reporting in, I probably will have though a, um, a subscription to a front end um, to, re- to report on what I want to. Uh, the, other, the other thing with the LoRaWAN network is it's, it's quite versatile. Um, the level of sensors that you can invest in is is wide reaching. So my plan there is to start with water, but potentially see if there are other other aspects of um, sensors that can can benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And what about when you first sort of looked for the technology? What was the onboarding process? Um, what is it currently with your water monitoring? Um, and what did you have to learn to get around to solve the problems? Uh, onboarding was was doing some initially some research, yeah. um, selecting a supplier that could could offer me what I was wanting, um, and that wasn't necessarily well defined. And uh, in hindsight, I probably could have been a little bit more prescriptive about what I wanted. But it was it was about doing that research, finding the supplier, and then working with them to to implement um, ultimately what I want. The whole time, keeping keeping future growth options available. Um, I didn't want to build a system that potentially limited me. So the LoRaWAN platform was was definitely scalable and could expand beyond beyond my immediate um, aspirations. Good stuff. And what what's driven you to um, set up this sort of system on your own, opposed to actually just buying it straight off the shelf? For um, yeah, I got yeah I got multiple water points on my property and. Um, we spoke about subscriptions to have put a, a SIM card in each of those individual devices would have pretty quickly added up and I would have had, uh, had operating costs for as long as I wanted to use them. Whereas the LoRaWAN was, um, was, was the operator, the, uh, the ongoing operating costs are limited, but I have got, um, the upfront capital cost to set up the network. So, um, so to yeah, so to round, round that out, I wanted it expandable and, and have a, a base that was there without necessarily having to go and get another SIM card every time I wanted to monitor something. Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, for like the broader industry challenges, that fine balance um, of solving those challenges as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think Tom's given a really great uh, summary there of a lot of the forces that are driving particularly more innovative producers to look at that options are out there. Uh, unfortunately, not the whole industry is taking going down the same path as that. And, and I think a lot of it comes back to, to many of the things that, that Tom's saying there about things relevant to cost, things relevant to the, uh, the interoperability of technology that's out there to, to play a role in farms and, and existing systems uh, about whether technology solutions are, are fit for purpose. 
Uh, and I think really what we're what we're starting to see a little bit at the moment is, you know, there's a lot of talk about adoption and what adoption means. Uh, and certainly from the farmers and founders perspective, it's it's less about just driving more technology on farms for the sake of it and more actually about ensuring that whatever technology is being implemented or adopted is going back to a, a core objective and, and solving a, a core problem. So what I'm hearing there from, from Tom is that there were solutions out there in the market that, that might have been able to do something relevant, but they weren't suitable for his particular needs and what he was really trying to trying to solve. And so uh, credit to him, he's gone out and set up something that's going to work more particularly for him. Um, and that kind of mindset, that adoptive mindset, means that you can can really address particular challenges without having to seek a solution that, that cuts across um, a range of different enterprises. Um, and these are the kind of battles that we're seeing in the industry when, when people talk about driving more adoption it doesn't necessarily just mean making more purchases it means actually going back to to solve a core problem running farms advice podcasts having that ability to dissect and find what's actually going to work for them um and also taking that piece of ag tech that works and maneuvering it around to suit your own farm um as the ag tech companies probably know matt you'd know a bit more about that of how they're working individually with different farms both small and large have different needs as well Absolutely. And it's, it's an in, sort of integral uh, challenge that many ag tech companies are finding because they might, might come up with a really fantastic solution that suits, suits a particular business or a particular enterprise and probably in a particular part of the world and then applying that to a, a broader customer base or establishing a business stream based on several subscriptions or several sales is really hard across what is a dispersed industry, but quite a small industry. Uh, and what that really is talking about, one of the things that we do in our projects at Farmers and Founders, particularly on the adoption side, is try to work with ag tech companies to identify how they can represent that better to producers in different areas, uh, in different sectors, in different challenges. Um, one of our beliefs is we're saying that not only are there difficulties on the, the farming side, a very practical side about digital capability and understanding the solutions that are out there to, to be adopted from a farming perspective. But also we're seeing a lot of ag tech companies who aren't very good at displaying what their value is, who aren't very good at communicating. This is the return on investment you can get if you buy into our system. And yes, it'll cost you this amount, but this is the benefit that you can achieve. And without that clear conversation going on, without that clear language, then it can get lost in what the value is. So uh, I think certainly it's uh, there's an important factor there about trying to consider how we can uh, ensure technology is, is fit for purpose for individual businesses as well as broader geographical areas or sectors, but also trying to, 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 to rework the conversation around the language that needs to be used to, to jump that uh, or translate across that gap of, of what tech is available and how it works in a very practical context. Yeah, I think the use of language is an interesting one, both from the ag tech company's point of view, but also the farmer and how they're going to work with that ag tech company more if their language um, around solving that problem, having that key objective sort of ticked off um, what Tom may or may not have needed on his own farm um, and what his neighbour may need may differ a lot from what his perspective was anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not only needs, but also, I guess, um, willingness to to customize and and personalize the solution for you um, because what i've got is is all going well going to suit my needs and i've had the um the ambition and desire to to proceed with something bespoke um another solution with with sim cards with subscriptions that's maybe off the shelf and a little bit um 
uh, more proven is probably the right solution for another another producer. So, yeah, it is definitely horses for courses. I think when it comes to ag tech and and like um, was just mentioned, then at the end of the day, it's got to find a problem and uh, and provide a solution, and not just provide technology for for the sake of it. This episode is brought to you by Farmers to Founders. If you've got an idea for a new business, ag tech solution or value-added food product, Farmers to Founders can help you turn it into reality. No matter what stage you're at, their programs will support you to develop your business skills, access expert mentors and tap into an extensive network of potential customers. Head to farmers2founders.com, that's with a number two, to check out how you can get involved or drop them an email for a yarn. Absolutely. So, Tom, what was your key objectives that you wanted to sort of tick off by including ag tech into your own farm? Was it looking to save time, whether or not you're out and about as an engineer, being your second income, um, earn more money by being more profitable, saving on the cost of running around as well, but also being more efficient and probably um, able to put back more into the farm? How or what were they? Yeah, you've hit it on the hit the nail on the head there, Jack. Absolutely. More efficient use of my time. Um, because yeah, there's there's busy, busy times in most people's lives at the moment. And if you can get back, get back uh, hours, they quickly add up to days. And before you know it, you've got um, in a in a year a lot more time to be concentrating on other things rather than uh, the routine checking and, and responding to problem. Yeah, absolutely. And a thing that I see a lot, um, probably for Matt and Tom as well, is that ag tech companies are sort of positioning themselves to farmers as if they can save them money, save them time. But are they actually making us money um, as well on the back of that? Yeah, I think that's a really, that's sort of an over uh, forgotten bit or an overlooked part of the conversation typically. And I think uh, Tom's reflecting really well there about um, what really moves the dial for you in your individual enterprise. For some people, saving time is a really critical aspect. Um, for others, it's another part of the, the everyday challenge that you've got to deal with. Saving money might be really important for, for a smaller producer in a particular circumstances, for a very large producer um, that's got uh, that flexibility to take on risks financially, it might not be as big of a deal. We've chatted to lots of farms who say it would be great if I can spend more time with my family or pick my daughter up from the bus because I know I've got that peace of mind that things are working well uh, in the background and I can step away for a brief moment. So, you know, and that sort of message is, is a really hard one to, to nail down from an ag tech perspective, from, the, from the, the technology perspective, because it's really hard to know what drives an individual to, to make go for that adoption um, piece. But I think it's, it's a really important consideration uh, and part of that ongoing learning process we're seeing from, from ag tech companies in the industry to know what drives your customers. And one of the things that is not really uh, addressed as much is that idea of profitability, how it can really increase Profitability. If that's a, a key driver for you to uh, to increase your profitability without having to take on significantly more burdens of labour or um, you know infrastructure or, or redevelopment or redesign of your operation, then that that should be something that that's put to the the forefront. And I think we see some of the more successful ag tech implementations. And I don't just mean ag tech that might be apps or drones or that sort of stuff, but they can be really simple pieces of technology. They can be soil capacitance probes in the cotton industry or, or whatever it may be, the ones that are really successful in their adoption can say, 
this is what you're getting yourself into. This is the return on investment that you can expect to receive after six, 12, 18 months, two years, whatever it is. Uh, and we can stand by that because we've justified that. We've trialed and tested that. So you can use that with confidence. And we don't really get enough of that at the moment in the industry. Obviously, it's a very, very new industry. But uh, until for a lot of farmers who are time poor or money's tight or circumstances are difficult, until you can really show the, the value and the proof case then it's uh, then it's a, a tough battle to try and get them on board because uh, you don't know what you're getting out of it and i think more can be said about the profitability of certain certain tech solutions yeah absolutely but i i'd imagine with a fair few ag tech sort of companies a lot of it is actually on the time saving so that fault finder you don't actually have to go out into your paddock find the faults um, finding faults doesn't make you money but it also it is reducing his tom's time out in the paddock but I suppose making money and saving money are both great for the farmer. Um, but f- to be that proactive sort of mindset, making money, uh, making an extra hundred grand is better than saving an extra hundred grand. I'd imagine out in the paddock as any other sort of farmer to get their balance sheet looking a bit better for 2023 moving forward. Yeah, certainly, perhaps. Although I will, to, to go back to your, your previous comment about the time saving, that's obviously a, a driver for many and, and a lot of, as you say, a lot of ag tech companies do push that as a, as a real value that you can get out of utilising their solutions. But it, it's hard sometimes to quantify what that actually means in practice for many farmers. If you're sort of a, a, an ag tech company in the water monitoring space and, and you're saying if you implement our technologies on your, your water sources that are some distance away from uh, your homestead will will save you the driving time to get out there and check them. But does that actually play out in practicality if the farmer is still driving out to those points because they're checking if their livestock are down or they're monitoring their pastures or they're checking fences or pipes or whatever else it might be? And through that process, they still check the water anyway. Um, or, you know, some of those sort of real practical outcomes. So it's easy to say on a bottom of a balance sheet, here's some technology, it'll save you this time because you won't be driving out there anymore. But is that actually how it plays out in practice? Uh, and if not, does that mean that is that technology no longer required because they're still going to be driving past checking the water or, or whatever it may be? So I think this is where it starts to get really difficult um, because you're actually asking ag tech companies to really know their customers quite personally and quite in a, in a really sort of uh, deep level and that's why again I commend Tom really well for, for going I know what I need and I'm going to build it for my needs and, and that's another avenue that probably isn't explored as much which is which is build your own solution design your own solution for your needs yeah 100% um, yeah Tom I was going to say on that Matt uh, I thought I knew what I wanted but now um, 12 months into the journey of setting it up in hindsight I probably could have even been more prescriptive about about what I wanted to help with that journey so um, yeah, my advice there is think about what you want, write it down and then think about it a bit more and you'll probably get a better outcome because the implementation is, is a journey. It isn't a you know, plug and play type experience um, generally. There's, there's a journey there to get something out, get it up and working and then integrate it with how you, um, you choose to uh, manage your enterprise. It's a bit like a farmer hopping into a sandbox. You know, like the a- ASX has a shares game play with your shares yeah. get profitable before you get going um and six six months later down the track you probably change all your stock trades anyway <laughs> yep sounds like well, some good I, advice I think, 
Yeah, exactly. I think that idea that what you're sort of touching on a bit there as well, Tom, on a, on a deep perspective is the idea about risk and about uh, if you're buying a, a solution off the off the shelf itself and you know, it's like, or you've gone to a field day and you've chatted to someone and you're impressed by what they're doing, typically there's a bit of cost that you've got to throw out there and there's a bit of a risk to say, it's not really until I get it out and implemented and installed that I'll know whether I've got enough reception in that point to deliver the message or whether it's going to capture what I want it to capture, whether it's going to last the however long I want it to last or handle the hot and dry and windy conditions that I have on my property and, and all those kind of practical implementations. So there's that, that mindset risk about, well, I'm going to go out and buy this and just hope that it's going to work. And if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, you can be, you can be burned and scorned quite easily. Um, one of the, we hear this a bit in the world of drones because drones are fantastic bits of technology and they're, they're really impressive and they're coming a long way and we can all probably see the use of them. Um, but they're also quite challenging to use. They're typically pretty expensive. Uh, and if you go out and buy a pretty, you know, $15,000 drone or, and, and above and you crash it into a tree on day one because you don't know how to use it very well, that's a big risk and a fairly big loss that you've had because you, you know, you're not up to speed with how that works or, or because it's a challenging piece of technology. So I think that idea of risk is, is really important. And one of the things that we try to do in our projects a little bit is try and de-risk the environment so that you can get a chance to muck around with a bit of technology or understand your own adoption requirements or, or figure out what's important to you and, and how that can be worked with with tech companies before you actually have to go, all right, I'm now going to install a system or I'm going to spend a lot of money or I'm going to actually make that commitment. Um, and as much as we can give farmers the opportunity to, to do that, to learn and to you know, get some touch points with it and see how it works, the probably the easier adoption process can become. Absolutely. I In a previous conversation, I had... I was saying um, as farmers, if it was a normal, not a normal company, but a company outside of our industry would ha actually have an ag tech officer. But Tom, for yourself and your farm, you're probably the ag tech officer. How has adoption been for anyone that's employed on your farm? Do you have employees or family members um, that you've had to run through a dashboard or two to read the data or even know how to find these faults in the fence? So yeah, Jack, I am the principal purchaser and the principal user, but... Um, with time, I will uh, will have some family members involved as well. Um, yeah, sharing apps with with their devices so that there's there's not just me monitoring. At times, I can I can share that load. And um, for me, within family, they're they're younger generations, so they should uh, should take to it like a duck to water. I would expect. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a lot of the value as well. They can see what exactly is going on. The same as your dashboard, it's all live. Um, and that communication stream, I sort of used to have to chase my old man around the paddock or chase him back in the office just to get his notebook to see how many sheep numbers were in each paddock. Um, and nowadays that doesn't really have to happen now. We're moving to digital records on our own farm, but also hopefully as an industry moving forward. And digital shouldn't be something that you should be scared of as a farmer, but just something, it's a tool to use to go towards increase sustainability, profitability, get that time back in your pocket so you can look at becoming more profitable in your balance sheet and the banks can look at you a little bit better as well. Absolutely. And and whilst Biag Tech has principally been in that that time-saving uh, fault-finding area, there's there's plenty of other things out there to, um, to optimise as well. Um, I'm still to really progress with uh, EID and and yeah. weighing like, but that's the next the next iteration. The um for me for me the big ticket items were that 
with that timepiece and and fault finding, and then um, then there's the next iteration of optimizing and, and thinking about what's next. Yeah, I think as farmers, it all needs to be come through. You can't just flood your own farm with all this ag tech, um, especially with your wallet as well. You've got to be careful as that. As you stated before, Matt, probably one of the biggest barriers is the financial costs. And on the other side of that, you may see a little bit more freedom um, work-wise, but also increasing your profitability on farm. How did you see that play out for you, Tom, on farm? Sorry, I was just muted then. Um, how did I see that play out? It, it's it's been it's been a slow journey. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how to elaborate on that. It's it's been slow and it's taken a bit of time. Yeah, maybe not being able to rush it into it allows you to as you also learn about the product as well. If you staged it, or if you had five piece of ag tech come on farm all at once, you'd know a little bit about each, but not a lot about one. Um, and yeah. able to actually know that product a lot better could probably enhance your own farm and then go through these different stages of introducing new pieces of technology. Um, not going to revolutionize the way we farm, but it's going to actually change and improve our daily routines and hopefully take a few of those tasks out of the way for us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think you're taking it slowly and embedding it is definitely the right approach. Absolutely. And for yourself on farm, what do you think the greater importance is for ag tech solutions? Is it usability or usefulness? They're both very important. Um, uh, I would think use, usability is definitely definitely a key factor because if someone um, someone can't use something well. Um, the other is is irrelevant to a certain extent. So I think I think they're both important, but usability is definitely critical. I think Matt could touch on that a little bit when we look at probably most ag tech come in for usefulness as that minimal viable product that they want to get out on the market, launch it a little bit quicker, um, and probably get that feedback loop a little bit quicker as well. What do you think of that, Matt? Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's the way that, that we often uh, encourage startups to go through and, and that process of, of hearing the feedback loop and, and constantly iterating. But I also reflect what Tom's saying there is, is um, why not have both? Why, why, uh, why can't we have a, a really useful system uh, that is easy to use, uh, that is you know easy to touch and, and feel and work with and understand how you can grow it and scale it and all those kind of things. Maybe I'm a bit of a bit of a dreamer, but I think there's an opportunity there to say, and it goes back to some of what we were talking about a bit before with return on investment and those kind of things. But say we've come up with a really ingenious concept that is that is got a, a great level of usability for you, or you sorry usefulness for you. You can really um, you know you can really get a lot out of this, and we can really uh, change things for you and improve things for you. But you're going to be able to know how to use it. It's going to be simple or uh, understandable. It's going to integrate. It's going to have some sort of basic core fundamentals that you need to be able to take it on. Um, I, I think in, in there is a lot at the moment that kind of sits in one of the other, one or two camps. It's useful, but it's a bit complex, or that you know it doesn't really work with what I was doing existingly, or uh, you know there's some some barriers there, or it's really uh, use uh, useful, but it's um, you know, the usability is much more increased but the the usefulness is limited or it's a really simple app but it's only going to take me so far uh, and so that dichotomy between the two seems to become the two camps that a lot of ag tech's landing in and i think we can sort of push the ledge a little bit more and say let's go for both let's try and establish a, a solution that's really useful but has great usability as well yeah absolutely so tom 
Tom and Matt, I suppose, for ag tech adoption, why do you think it's so important on farm level, Tom? And also, why is it a priority for Australian ag industry as a whole? Do you want to go first, Matt? <laughs> sure, sure. Look, I, I think for me, um, uh, almost to just twist your words a little, Jack, sorry, but to, to, I don't perceive necessarily adoption itself is the priority. I, I think the priority we're seeing at the moment is all the the range of opportunities and the range of challenges that we're seeing in the industry. Obviously, there's there's a whole range of opportunities. We're talking about 100 bill uh, in the next however long, and, and we've got these really great ambitions in the industry to grow and become more productive and sustainable. At the same time, we're seeing lots of challenges in weather and environment and biosecurity and pests and diseases and global markets and all the rest. Those areas of opportunity and challenge to me are the priorities that we really need to try and focus on uh, reducing the challenges and, and making the most of the opportunities. And adoption, I think, is, is, a, is a pathway or a vehicle to try and make that happen. If we believe that adoption really is at its core about ensuring that technologies that are useful, that are value-filled about value, that are beneficial to our farmers and growers and producers, are being used in their operations to try and take on some of those bigger challenges, then that's a, then that's a productive and, and useful adoption cycle. To me, adoption isn't really about just uh, making another sale or a metric of saying more technology on farms equals uh, growth in, in productivity. Um, it's really got to come back to saying, these are the priority areas we're trying to address. And, and on farm, those priorities might be much more uh, much smaller or much more targeted, um, but we're going to address those by using technology that's fit for purpose and that's that's built to, to solve those problems. Um, so if we see it in that context and we perceive that there's big challenges in the industry and, and using technology and innovation as a method for trying to make the most of them or reduce or mitigate some of the challenges, then um, that's that's a good adoption cycle in my point. And that's the, that's the key uh, benefit that we can receive out of it. And for yourself, Tom, what do you think about use and adoption of its agri um, ag tech, sorry, and their priority for your own farm at farm level. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say it in far less words than Matt just did then, but it's about having a, a solution to a problem, which has um, been my initial approach. And then the, the subsequent investment in years to come will be around optimization. So a goal to um, to, to be more efficient, to, to be more profitable. So. Um, yeah, to me, it's, it's those two factors, solving a problem or, or getting better. Yeah, I think we're at the very early stage, really, of what ag tech is and how it's growing out. Might just be because my career within agriculture and farming has just sort of started as well. But I think there's a huge change and a big shift coming for Australian agriculture um, and how that plays out. Different sort of scenarios of ag tech coming along. Um, it's only at the very beginning, as you well may know, Tom and Matt. Yeah, agreed. We're at the front front of yeah. this, and it's uh, it's an exciting time, I think, to be in agriculture. The demand for agricultural outputs is only going to grow, and uh, and this technology that is rapidly evolving can only can only help help with that. So, I'm I'm excited both on on a small scale like I farm, but also on an industry wide level for for what's in store for the future. Definitely. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what, what Tom's saying. I, I think there's a, a really exciting shift that's probably been bundling, bubbling away for a little while um, behind the scenes and, and it's sort of gotten a bit of popularity and a bit of sex appeal about it recently and all of a sudden it's it's everywhere. But yeah, I think absolutely it's it's creating a, a bit of a the baseline for a different future. And I think for 
young people in ag and for people who are studying ag and people who are looking to go back to family farms and, and also those who have who've been on farm for a long time. Um, there's a different different environment going on. There's a different range of opportunities that you can jump in on. And, um, you know, I was chatting to students the other day and, and saying that a lot had perceived the industry of, of farming as being about, you know, picking up a shovel or grabbing some wire and jumping in the ute and having that kind of environment. And perhaps in, in careers of the future, it'll also be about learning how to code something, learning how to wire something up, learning how to, uh, you know, implement technology. So we're kind of in this really I see a bit of a, a really exciting shift towards what could be a, a pretty bold new future in the industry. Very exciting. Yeah. So Tom, for yourself, what would be one piece of farm advice you'd like to pass on to a next budding farmer um, looking to adopt a piece of technology may not be applicable to fencing or water monitoring could be in horticulture fisheries. What would that piece be? Would it be about the mindset going forth? Mindset definitely important, but my, my greatest piece of advice would be, Think about think about what you're wanting to achieve. Write that down. Do some research. Consider options, and then and then move forward. Um, don't rush in because there is there is lots to consider, and there are lots of products. and And as we spoke about earlier, it's it's very personal for individual farms, individual industries. Um, yeah, be planned and do your research. Yeah, beautiful. And Matt, maybe from the ag tech company sort of side of it. What would be your farm's advice to pass on to allow this sort of soft adoption for farmers to take it into their own hands and maybe that use of language and how important that may be for farmers to come across that line? Yeah, I mean, I think it almost is exactly what what Tom said in a slightly different context in that you've got to you got to know what you're trying to solve. You, you know, if, if your mission statement is about trying to improve things for farmers and that's what your technology is out there to do, then you've got to know what those farmers are wanting to use it for and how they're wanting to implement it in their business. So at Farmers Founders, as you would have heard in, in the previous episode, a lot of what we aim to do is put farmers and producers right at an early stage of any ag tech development. And if you're out there now building solutions and building technology, pick up the phone and get in touch with a, a producer or a farmer or someone who might be your own customer and ask them what what's life like for you? What, what, what is involved in what you do? How can we try and make that easier? How can our technology um, solve that problem for you? So uh, yeah, it, as exactly as Tom said, if it's coming back to a solution to solve a problem, then you're on a good track. And if you know that and, and you've got some uh, some evidence to to show that that's what's really happening, then, then you should be doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been amazing to have you on the Farms Wise podcast, but also the Farmers to Founders series. It's great to be able to talk about and flesh out these sort of conversations and actually start a conversation. And hopefully another farmer, Tom, out there, maybe another one around Adelaide Hills, um, we'll be able to tune in and hear what's going on and how their approach may differ from ours. Maybe different, but we're all going to the same sort of objectives anyway. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmswise podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.